And our next guest, who's in the studio, so Mark, hang around if you can. Our next guest is one of my all-time favorite priests. He is an associate pastor at the Church of St. Mary in Lake Forest. And when you talk about that, about conversion stories, I always think, Father Mike, do you remember? Do you remember when you told us your conversion story a few years back? Oh, sure, yeah. Yes. Can you and hear me? I, I think you just need to put it close to your mouth. Can, Can everybody hear, hear him? Much better. Much Very better. Okay. close. Okay. There you go. So, um, so with Father Mike in the studio, Father Mike Grizzick from the Church of St. Mary in Lake Forest is Joan Carter McHugh. Hello, everybody. Welcome. We, we've been talking about her all morning, and she's here. And uh, so, Father Mike, welcome to WSFI again. Thank you. Thank you so much. I understand you just came back from a trip. I did. I just was on a pilgrimage with uh, a few of my parishioners. We went to Medjugorje and uh, was very... Uh, blessed and many conversions and just ha always happy to go back. And you're returning now. Medjugorje played a role in your journey. That's right. It did. Um, do you want me to start? Well, you know what? <laughs> How many times have you been there? I've actually lost counts. Um, <laughs> it's well over 50 times. Oh, that's so, so wonderful. Yeah, it, oh. I've been there many, many times. But that's actually why I came back to the church, was through Medjugorje. Was it the first time you went? Um, I actually started having my conversion before I actually made my first pilgrimage. Um, and I have to kind of give you a little bit of a background. Oh, story. give it. We love it. We love your story. So what ended up happening is I grew up in Flint, Michigan. Um, I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, it was we were very deeply rooted in the faith. We went to a Catholic school. My parents made a lot of sacrifices for us to go. Um, but I was always kind of the black sheep in the family. I was always uh, trying to look for ways not to go to church. And I remember even asking my, my mom and dad once, I said, um, you know, mom and dad, could we possibly go to church every other Sunday or maybe once a month like <laughs> our next door neighbors? And my mom and dad, they said, as long as you live in our house and you're eating the food that we paid for, you're going to go to church. God bless Sundays. your parents. It was like the rule of the house. So I kind of lost that battle right off the bat. But eventually what ended up happening is um, as I got a little bit older and I decided to um, go away to college and stuff, I, I decided to go away to college. And um, I just stopped going to church. I was just not part of my life. And I kind of thought that was my parents' religion. And I'm just going to live my w life the way I want to. And uh, I was in college for a couple years. And my grades started to tank. And I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I decided I was going to drop out of college and just travel around the country and just kind of figure out what, what I wanted to do with my life. And so when I told my parents I was going to drop out of college, they said, if you drop out of college, we're cutting you off. We're not going to pay for anything that you're doing. And I said, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. So I dropped out of college. I left from Flint, Michigan, moved to Chicago, went from Chicago to California, went from California to Hawaii. And for a while, I was actually living on a beach in a tent. And I was, it was very expensive to live out there. And I remember just sitting out on the beach and trying to contemplate, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. And I just didn't know what I was looking for. I was always looking for something to, to fill this emptiness I felt in my own heart. I come to find out now that the missing piece of the puzzle was God. You know, I had stopped going to church. I it was not, God was not part of my life anymore. I always thought maybe a relationship or maybe partying or maybe getting a good job, maybe that was going to make me happy. Um, but obviously, you know, it was only God that was going to make me happy. So in the midst of all of this, I got lots of bumps and bruises along the way, uh, traveling all over the country. And I remember my mom, she was kind of like St. Monica. She was always praying for me to, you know, to stay close to God and to come back to the church and, you know, really to get, kind of get my life together. And I remember... Um, my mom, wherever I was traveling around the country, she would always try to keep tabs on me. 
And when I was living out in Hawaii, I remember my mom talking to me when I was uh, chit-chatting around the pay, on the payphone. And she said, Mike, are you, are you going to church? Are you staying close to God? And I'm like, Mom, I'm not. What are you talking about? And she's like, Mike, we're sending up prayers for you. And I'm like, Mom, look, don't send up prayers for me. Send me money. I'm living in a tent. And my mom, you know, she was just always there. She was always just gently encouraging me to stay close to God. But as things unfolded, I ended up uh, leaving Hawaii. I ended up back at my mom and dad's uh, doorstep, knocking on the door, uh, kind of like the prodigal son. You were just talking about your kids, hopefully, that they would always stay faithful to the, uh, to the Catholic Church. And I basically had kind of hit rock bottom. And my parents had said, if you are willing to come back and uh, go to school, um, we'll kind of get you on your feet. So that's what happened. I went back to Michigan State University, started my college degree again. And it was on my spring break that my mom gave me a book. She said, Mike, I think you might be interested in reading this um, when you have some free time. I was like, what is this? And so I look at this book. It was a book written by uh, um, a Lutheran Protestant. His name was Wayne Weibel. And the title of the book was called Medjugorje, the Message. And on the title of the book, it had a picture of the Virgin Mary. And the word said this. It said, on June 24th, 1981, allegedly six teenagers from the country of Yugoslavia said that they saw an apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And according to them, she's been appearing every day since. And when I read that front cover of the book, all of a sudden I was brought back to when I was a little boy watching a movie about Our Lady of Fatima, when the three shepherd children saw an apparition of our Blessed Mother. And I asked my mom, I said, is this kind of like what happened to those, those kids over in that place called Fatima? And she said, it's exactly like that, except it's happening now in our lifetime. And so I just grabbed this book. I just started reading all the chapters. And I remember even skipping some of my classes just to finish the book. But when I finished the book, I had this huge epiphany um, realizing that if this was true, if Mary was really appearing in Medjugorje, what does that mean for me? It meant everything I was brought up to believe in as a Catholic was true. And that freaked me out because I wasn't living a Christian lifestyle. I wasn't going to church. God was not part of my life. And I had this instant conversion of wanting a desire to know God, to love him, to serve him. Um, And... You know, the, the, I, it, it's hard to, like, encompass someone's, you know, conversion story in just a few minutes, but I really felt a desire um, to want to know God more. So I started to go back to church. And one of the things I guess I kind of missed with the, the story was is that I don't look like I do now. I was, definitely was not uh, short hair and uh, looking prim and proper as a, as a priest, but um, my hair was actually very, very long. It was all the way down my back. My ears were pierced, and so I definitely was not looking like priest material at all. And I wasn't, you know, when I went through this conversion of going back to church again, I wasn't thinking about priesthood at all. That wasn't anything on my mind. I was just thinking about getting to know God more. So I made a commitment from that point to go to church every single Sunday. And I worked around my work schedule. I did everything. I made that top priority. And in this book that Wayne Weibel had written, he talks about how Our Lady was calling us back Um, not only to Mass, but to confession, to praying the rosary, uh, to fasting, to praying more. And I thought, I'm definitely not going to pray the rosary. That's not my prayer. I'm I'm not going to do that. In confession, I've got nothing to confess. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen anything. But the closer I came to the Lord, the more I spent time in prayer, the more I would go to church, the Lord started to give me more and more grace. And I started to realize in my own heart God was giving me the ability to see my soul as God sees my soul. And then I was like, I've got a lot to confess. 
So I made my first confession after probably almost 20 years. And I remember the priest that I went to was a very gentle soul. But at the end of my confession, he's like, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> I was like, that's it, Father. You know, that's 20 years of what I've got to tell you. But um, I started to come closer and closer to the Lord. And then, you know, Our Lady talked about what she says in all of her apparition sites around the world, Lourdes and Fatima, about praying the rosary. And I thought, you know, this is not really my prayer. I don't even know how to pray it. Um, I never grew up praying the rosary in my family. We never prayed it in Catholic school, believe it or not. Uh, all Marian devotions was just kind of thrown out the window. But I thought, you know, if our Blessed Mother wants us to pray the rosary, maybe I should do it. So I remember going down to St. Peter's in the Loop in, here in Chicago, and I went to look for some rosary beads. And all of the beads were very feminine-looking. They had, like, little jewels on them and stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to get caught with feminine-looking rosary beads. But I found some wooden rosary beads, and I bought those. And I went back to my uh, a loft I was living in at the time with a bunch of other guys. And I was like, man, I, I don't want anybody to see that I have these rosary beads. So I remember hiding them in my pocket and coming back to my room and then locking the door to make sure nobody would see me praying the rosary. And I'm all set to pray it. And then I realized, I'm like, I don't know how to pray it. I'm like, I know there are fathers. I know there are Hail Marys, but I don't know anything else. And I thought, at least I can do that. So I started to say the very first Our Father and the very first Hail Mary from my heart. I was praying from the heart. And immediately I felt a tremendous amount of grace come upon me. I felt the presence of Jesus and Mary in the room with me. I don't want to confuse anybody. I wasn't having an apparition or anything like that. But I felt their presence and I began to cry. And I'm like, why am I crying? And it wasn't it wasn't a sad cry. It was a happy cry. It was like just like when you go to a wedding and you're just so filled with so much joy. Um, and it was just, I think, I know now that it was a gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was coming upon me and touching my heart and letting me know that Jesus and Mary were um, pleased with my desire to want to, um, to pray from the heart. So that was my introduction to the rosary. I, I know how to pray it now <laughs> after many years. But this is something maybe I could tell to all of our listeners is that it's not the quantity of prayers that you offer. It's the quality of your prayer. It has to come from the heart. So when you pray, whether it's the rosary, whether you're saying your own private prayers, God wants to have a real personal relationship with each and every one of us. And so when we pray from the heart, that opens the door to God to bestow many graces upon all of us. So I want all of us to really take that to heart and to really start to learn to pray with the heart. We could say a thousand Our Fathers, we could say a, a thousand Hail Marys, but it would never be as important as saying one Our Father or one Hail Mary prayed from the heart. That's what's so, so important. And for those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to the voice of Father Michael Grizzick. He's from the Church of St. Mary in Lake Forest. And interviewing him, we have a great group here in the studio. I just posted that picture on Facebook, Father. Oh, great. Yeah, I have, we have Joan McHugh and Mark Curran. So if you're just tuning in, it's the first day of the share at WSFI. We, we want to hear from you. Let us know you're out there and that you loved hearing Father Michael Grizak's testimony. I, I want to hear more. It brought me to tears here, sitting here. He's such a powerful witness um, to the goodness and love of our Lord. Uh, so how... Father Mike, where did you leave off? I got distracted here. So I, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching this movie, and I, I'm so upset if I have to even get up and miss a minute of it. Well, it, in the 
talking about my conversion, you yes. know, I was coming back to the Lord. I was going to church every Sunday and, um, you know, like any young man, I was still trying to finish college. You know, remember I had dropped out for a while and yes. so I had to kind of get that together. But, uh, in the midst of all this, um, I, it was a, one summer I was at a nightclub and I met this beautiful woman from Paris, France. And uh, we ended Paris up... Paris connection. There it is. <laughs> Paris. Well, we ended up dating um, all summer long and uh, we fell in love. And we... Um, it was interesting because every time we were dating and stuff, I would always ask her, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Do you want to come with me? I thought that would be kind of a cool Catholic date. And she's like, no. <laughs> That's my French accent. No. No. Um, and I'm like, why? And she's like, you know, she said she didn't believe. She didn't, you know, she doesn't, she, she was baptized Catholic. She was raised Catholic, but she just didn't go to church anymore. And I kind of thought, well, I used to be in that same situation. I thought, I'm not going to push her. I, you know, I just, maybe if I show her how important it is to me and, and to my faith to go to church on Sundays, maybe eventually she would kind of come along at some point. So in the process of all this, at the end of the summer, she was going back to Paris, France. She was only there to visit her friend for the summer. And so I kind of thought that was the last time I'm ever going to see her. You know, I'm, I don't have enough money to travel over to Europe. So I ended up um, thinking that that was the last time I was going to, you know, have to say my goodbyes and everything. But we kept writing to each other. And this is before the age of Internet, the, before the age of Skype, FaceTime, all that stuff. So we would have to call each other back and forth. And it was very expensive. If you remember picking up the landline phone and having to call to Europe. It's like a dollar to $2 a minute. So it was very expensive, but we kept the relationship going. And uh, she came back to see me over Christmas. Then she came back again to see me over Valentine's Day. And she met my whole family. Everybody loved her. Um, and then she was going to come back again over e Easter. And I said, well, hold on. You've already been here twice. How about I fly out to see you when I finish college? And then we'll travel all around Europe together. She was already invited to be part of my sister's wedding that summer um, way back in 1993. And um, so we had it all planned out. So as I'm mapping out my, my whole journey to travel over to, to Europe, I kind of started to think about it. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to be in Paris... You know, it's only going to be one more flight to get down to the former Yugoslavia. And I thought, why not just take this extra trip and I can go to Medjugorje? I, I had always had a desire to go, to be there, to be part of the events, to maybe even meet one of the visionaries and just to talk to them and say, what does Mary look like? Tell me. Um, and so I had this great desire. And all of a sudden, I just felt like I was being drawn to go to Medjugorje like a magnet. So in the midst of all this, I made the decision, I'm going to make this trip to Europe. I'm going to meet my girlfriend's family, but I'm also going to go to Medjugorje. So my original trip of being only over there for a week to two weeks turned into like three months. It just like expanded to this massive trip. So I f I'm getting ready to fly over to, uh, to Europe, and my girlfriend knew about me going down to Medjugorje. My parents knew about it. But at that time, the Bosnian Civil War was raging. And so my parents tried to talk me out of going to Medjugorje. My girlfriend and her family tried to talk me out of going. But I was like, I really feel like God wants me to go. I think I'm going to be okay. Now, I wasn't going with the pilgrimage group. I was planning on traveling by myself. I had a backpack, a tent, a sleeping bag. I packed my, my backpack with tuna and, like, a little compass and stuff in case. Because I thought I was just going to walk to Medjugorje, as naive as I was. Um, and I remember my dad, um, my mom and dad were really worried about me. And I said, Dad, you know, I know you're worried about me going, but I just wanted to give you something before I go, just in case something happens and I don't come back. And my dad said, what, what is this? And so I gave him this piece of paper. 
And he's reading it, and he's like, what is this? And I said, well, it's a life insurance policy, so just in case I don't come back. And my dad looked at it, and he goes, son, this isn't even enough money to get your body back if you don't, if something happens. <laughs> I, like, I gave him an insurance policy for like five grand. He's like, what is this? <laughs> so I left. I traveled over to Paris and um, got to spend that first uh, couple of weeks with my girlfriend and her family. Uh, her mom loved me. Her dad hated me because you got to remember I had the long hair and the earrings. And there was a potential, as I'm dating his daughter, that she might come to the United States. So he didn't, wasn't really happy with me. But her mom loved me because she knew I was a faithful Catholic. Yes. I was praying the rosary. And um, it was really interesting, that dynamic. Her father was a professor at the Sorbonne. So he was mm -hmm. a, a philosophy instructor. And he was a self-proclaimed atheist. And the interesting thing was is that he infected his own family with this atheistic belief. So his daughter, who I was dating at the time, she was losing her faith, um, her older sister the same way. But I thought it was so sad that the father of the family, who's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family, was leading his family into a ditch. He wasn't being the spiritual father that he needed to be. But anyways, I had the time spending with uh, my girlfriend and her family, and I went down to Medjugorje. I was just flying out of Frankfurt down to split Croatia, one flight. And as I'm on the plane, I'm asking people, where are you traveling to? Where are you traveling to? Everybody on this plane was going on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. So I asked every group leader, is there any way I could catch a ride with you? Can I get on your bus with you? And every group leader said back to me, they said, our bus is completely filled. We have no room. And I'm like really worried now. I'm like, how am I going to get to Medjugorje? So the last group that was getting off the plane was from Canada. And I asked the group leader and they said, oh, we'll have plenty of room. Come with us. So we land in Split. We're going to get our luggage, and it turns out I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. My backpack never comes off the plane. turns out they lost my luggage. No. And so the group leader just said, don't worry about it. Just come with us. Let's just get to Medjugorje, get a good night's sleep. Your luggage will show up at some point down the road. So we're taking the bus into Medjugorje, and the group leader is like, let's pray the rosary. And I'm like, hey, I know how to pray the rosary. Sure, I'll pray the rosary with you. So this whole bus is praying the rosary, and then we finish the first, first mystery. Then we pray another one and another one and another one. And I was like, who did I, what, what bus did I get on? There's a bunch of holy rollers here. I'm like, I usually, usually pray one rosary, but not like six. Um, so we keep on our way to Medjugorje and we arrive very late at night and everybody was exhausted. You know, they, they went to bed, but I was too excited. I really wanted to see St. James Church. I'd seen the pictures for many years and I was just so excited to be there. And I really didn't even care about losing my luggage um, or my clothes. I had my passport and my money, so that was the most important thing. So I ran down to the church and I ran around um, the outside of it and they would turn off the electricity at night. This was, it was twofold. One was to save energy because during the war, but two, because it, they were in the midst of a civil war, they didn't want to illuminate the village. They didn't want to have anybody coming in with aircraft and bombing mm. the village as well. So all of the stars were out at night. It was absolutely gorgeous. But I didn't know exactly the location of where the mountains were at. I knew that there was a mountain called Mount Kresovec, which is called Cross Mountain. But I wasn't sure where it was at because everything was dark out. And I walked out behind the back of the church. And we're just sitting out in this outdoor altar that they have. And I'm sitting out there. And all of a sudden, I see this intense light coming from Mount Kresovec. And this light would start to pulsate. And it would spin around and it would get larger and smaller. And looking at this, and I'm like, what kind of a strobe light is that? I've never seen any type of light like that before. It was, it was brighter than any star that would be in the heavens. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, what is this? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just some kind of strobe light attached to the cross. And so I went back to the, the pension that we were staying at. 
And the next morning, I told the group, I said, I saw this funny light up on the, the cross. And they said, there's no electricity up there. I'm like, well, no, I saw it. And they're like, there's no electricity up there at all. There's no strobe light. So I was determined to find out what it was. So I climbed all the way to the top of the uh, mountain, Mount Krusevek, that day. I'm looking around the mountain. There is no strobe light attached to the cross. There's no electricity. I'm like, what was that light I was seeing the night before? So later that night, I went back behind the church again to see if I'd see the same light. Never appeared. And I thought, well, maybe I was just hallucinating. That was kind of odd. But then I run into these two people that were coming out of the vineyards. They were also from Canada. And the three of us met. And they said, what are you doing out behind the church so late at night? And I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I saw this intense light coming from Mount Krasovec last night. And that's why I came out to see if if I'd see it again. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, we saw that same light. That's why we came out to see if we'd see it again. So we started to describe what it was that we saw the night before. And as we were describing it to each other, all of a sudden the light appeared again. And it started to rotate and spin around and pulsate and get larger and bigger and colors are shooting out from behind it. And all of us realized for sure that we were seeing a miracle. And I remember the woman that was with us, she just started to weep. She's like, God brought us together to confirm that we were seeing this miracle together. And it was absolutely stunning. And I know now when I look back at what that moment was about is that I think I saw what the star of Bethlehem would have looked like, you know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, leading the three kings and how the three of us had come together, following the star and how the three of us were brought to Medjugorje seeking a deeper relationship with God. So we were like the three wise men being brought by the star of Bethlehem to Medjugorje to fall in love with our lady and a deeper relationship with our Lord. So in the midst of all of this pilgrimage going on, remember I lost my backpack, I had no clothes, so the group I was with, they gave me t-shirts to wear, and every t-shirt that, that they gave me to wear, it said something like, drink Molson Golden Beer, or something, uh, some other type of advertisement, so I'm walking into every Mass at St. James Church, with the long hair and the earrings, and I'm looking like an advertisement for drinking beer, and I just didn't look like priest material at, uh, at all, But every time I went to Mass, um, it was like the Holy Spirit was just coming down on us. And everybody was singing to the top of their lungs. Everybody had a a great desire to be there at the Mass. And it was such a beautiful thing. I just felt in my heart just a a deeper desire um, to know Jesus more. And I remember at the end of every Mass that I was there during that pilgrimage, there was always somebody who came up to me. And they always said, it's so great to see young people here in Medjugorje. And as the conversation would go on, they would always end the conversation by saying, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? And I was like, do I look like a priest with my long hair and my earrings? Plus, I got a girlfriend back in Paris, so I'm not really thinking about this. But it happened so often. There was at least four or five different people. They didn't know each other, and they would always come up and ask me the same thing. And I thought, maybe God is giving me some kind of sign here. So I remember this one afternoon, I went out in front of St. James Church. They have the beautiful statue of Our Lady. And I was praying out there, and it was right at the anniversary. It was on June 24th, June 25th. And all of these people are mingling around. In the midst of this crowd, I'm just praying my heart out. And I opened my heart to the Lord, and I said, God, are you really asking me to become a priest? Can't you find anybody better? I'm such a sinner. Why would you want me? And then right when I was asking this question to our Lord from my heart, I didn't say it audibly, a little Irish lady came out of the crowd and she walked right up to me and she said, glory be to God, Jesus wants me to give this to you. And she put something into my hand and then she disappeared in the crowd and I never saw her again. And as I opened up my hand, it was a prayer card. It was a picture of Jesus. His hands were folded in prayer. His eyes were closed intensely as he was praying. But on the top of the card, it said, come and follow me. 
So right when I'd asked the Lord, Lord, do you really want me to become a priest for you? He had to put the answer into my hand, come and follow me. So now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what am I going to tell my girlfriend back in Paris? So I you know, kept it in prayer, and I just said, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do, if you really want me to become a priest for you, then you're going to have to have my girlfriend break up with me because I'm too chicken to break up with her. Typical guy, right? Mm. So I left Medjugorje. I was on fire for the faith, but I was determined not to say anything about the possibility of God calling me to become a priest. I thought, well, let's just see what God does. If he really wants this to happen, he's going to have to have her break up with me. So I worked my way back to Paris to go see my girlfriend. And you got to remember, she, not only were we going to travel all around Europe together, she was invited to be in my, girl, uh, my sister's wedding that summer. And then she was going to do an internship up in Montreal. So we were getting closer and closer to the possibility of her moving to Chicago. So all of these plans were already in place. And so as I'm getting off the train in Paris, I remember feeling an inspiration to open up my little Bible that I had. I had a little small New Testament backpack uh, uh, scripture Bible. So before I opened it up, I said, Lord, you know, I'm just asking you to give me some guidance here. You know, I felt this inspiration to be, you know, that you're calling me to become a priest. But here I am now, I'm, I'm getting reunited with my girlfriend that I haven't seen in the last couple of weeks. So I'm like, Lord, everything's up to you. So I just said a little prayer to the Holy Spirit. I opened up my Bible, and I read the, this letter from, the first letter from Peter, and the passage went something similar to this. It said, Beloved, do not be surprised that you have to suffer for this trial by faith. If you're persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ, that's when you should really stand up and rejoice. And I thought, hmm, this must have been meant for the early Christians thrown to the lines. This doesn't mean anything to me. Close my Bible, threw it in my backpack, get off the train. There's my girlfriend waiting for me. I ran over to give her a big hug and a kiss, and she goes, we have to talk. And I'm like, okay. So she brings me off to a little cafe. We sit down, get some cappuccinos, and she begins by saying this. You and me, it's finished. It's over with. For you, God's number one in your life. I'm number two. It's finished. And my jaw dropped to the ground. Because I remembered what I'd said in Medjugorje. God, if you really want me to become a priest, you're going to have to have her break up with me. And I didn't say anything about what had happened in Medjugorje. And all of a sudden, she's dumping me there in the train station. So then my ego got a little bit bruised. I'm like, wait a minute, you can't break up with me. And I'm like, well, what happened? Did you meet some other guy? Did you fall in love with somebody? And she's like, no. She goes, she goes I still love you. But she's like... I know that you are nuts because you're going to this place called Medjugorje and you think the Blessed Virgin Mary is appearing there. And she's like, don't you understand? God doesn't exist. And so in her family, her, her mother was aff afflicted with uh, muscular dystrophy and she was in a wheelchair and eventually her life would be taken. And she was like, how could God, if God really existed, how could he do this to my mother? She's such a good person. And so that was my first question, uh, a theological question, why is there suffering in the world? And I didn't have the answer. And I tell you what, even today, I still don't have the answer. But what I did say to her is, is as I said, um, I don't know why your mom has to suffer, but I do know that God has brought your family to be very supportive of your mom during this difficult time. Your father has stood by your mom's side the entire time. He's never left her. So many couples, if they are faced with a terminal illness, they would run. They would just divorce their, their spouse and run away because they couldn't handle it. And I said, your father has stood by your mom's side all this time. I said, that's a blessing by God as well. Well, it didn't really make too much of an impact on her. And that was the last I ever talked to her. Talked to her. She went her way and I went my way. And um, I realized that the Lord was calling me on this new path uh, to become a priest. 
So I came back to the United States and had to explain to my family why my ex-girlfriend was not there at the wedding and stuff like that. But I was on fire for the faith. You know, Medjugorje had, it's almost like it jump-started a dead, my dead spiritual battery inside my heart. And our Lord and Our Lady just gave me so many incredible graces. And I just came back with this just new sense of um, knowing who God is and that He wants to have a real personal relationship with each and every one of us. But I lost my girlfriend, but I gained a deeper love of our Blessed Mother. And Mary has been, she's had her mantle over me for, for many, many years and, and leading me through many different trials and tribulations over the years. Um, but I was ordained just two years ago in 2015 for the Archdiocese of Chicago. And um, I just feel like my entire life, um, I, I, I want to give it to Jesus Christ. I want to give it to, um, to his church. And our Blessed Mother has her mantle wrapped around me, and she's leading me always closer each and every day to her son, Jesus Christ. You know, I hesitate to even talk. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm very, I'm so touched by your story, but I, I can't even imagine the joy of your parents. <laughs> what, what, what was their reaction? That's, that's funny. Well, you know, when I came back from Medjugorje and I told my mom and dad what had happened with my girlfriend dumping me, and then I said, you know, I've got something else to tell you. I said, I think God's calling me to become a priest. I said, do you think I'm crazy? Now, you got to remember, I still got the long hair and the earrings. My mom and dad kind of, kind of gulped a little bit. My mom said, no, we don't think you're crazy. If this is really what you want to do, we'll help you to go to school or whatever it needs to be. But then my mom stops and she goes, but Michael, I just want to make sure that you're not becoming, you want to become a priest because you think I want you to become a priest. And I looked at my mom and I was like, I just started laughing. I said, mom, have I ever done anything you've wanted me to do in my life? Have I ever made my bed or have I ever done my drawers? I've never done anything you've asked me to do. I said, this is obviously, you know, calling from God. So my mom and dad, um, I was blessed to have them both there with me on the day of my ordination. It was a, a real blessing for me. Um, my mom recently passed away. She just passed away uh, this past December, December 19th. And um, so that, you know, that was hard to let my mom go. But, you know, the Lord gave me a special blessing. I was able to be with my mom when she was in the final days of her life. I was able to anoint her. Thank you for the, uh, the anointing of the sick. And to be with her in those final, final moments, I, uh, I prayed the chaplet of my mercy next to her bedside. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want to celebrate Mass for you now, that you have a holy entrance into heaven. And my mom, at that time, she wasn't able to speak. Um, she was really out of it. She was on morphine and everything. And, um, you know, I, when I told her I was going to celebrate this Mass for her, for this holy entrance for her to come into heaven, a tear came out of her eye. And even though she wasn't able to speak, it was her way of saying goodbye to me. So I celebrate the Mass, and right at the consecration, the Lord took her home. It was the most beautiful and peaceful death. It was really beautiful. So, sorry to get emotional, but um, it was a peaceful, peaceful death. So for your listeners, maybe I could just encourage you that if you have a loved one who is sick, or maybe in hospice care, to really pray for them to have the grace to have a holy and peaceful death. Um, our Lord wants them to be um, reconciled with Him and to be reconciled with family members and to be to have that straight ticket to go to heaven. And so I encourage all of you, have your loved ones anointed, the anointing of the sick. Have the priest specifically say the apostolic pardon for them 
so that they can be free of any uh, any attachment to the punishment due to their sin so that they can have a straight ticket to heaven. Um, we want that for our loved ones. And, and I know my mom's interceding for me now. I know that she's praying for me, and and uh, I've got a, a, my greatest cheerleader in heaven besides the Blessed Mother <laughs> up in heaven. So. so for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, you're listening to what a beautiful story. Uh, you're listening to Father Michael Grizzick of the Church of St. Mary, and Joan's motioning to me. Joan, can you? I, I'm just so emotional myself. Um, oh. I, I, I'm really, really touched by the fact that our Lord and Our Lady gave you the most precious of gifts. Your mom, they gave you the ability to say Mass when she was dying, and you helped launch her into their arms. And what what a joy what a what a, a gift for for being on earth to do that and well, they, she was praying for him didn't you say father michael that your mom said she was praying for you right way back when so it's like she brought you back to life right and yeah. then you were having the chance now to return the favor if you will absolutely absolutely it was it was a uh, uh just very interesting and i know my mom is still praying for me i know she's still interceding for me and uh you know, um, asking the Lord to give me extra graces to continue to be a good and holy priest. And I'd ask your listeners to say a little prayer for me, too, just to continue to always be faithful to our Lord in the mission that he's called me to be as well as and, a priest. And so this is Father Michael Grizzick from the Church of St. Mary in Lake Forest. And uh, you probably turned on the radio, and it's not your regularly scheduled programming at all. You are at the WSFI 88.5 FM share So we're in day one. We're running a little bit behind in our donations, but I have great faith that it's never over till it's over. So could you please pick up the phone and call 224-206-8455, 224-206-8455, or donate online at WSFI Radio. Excuse me, you could do either WSFIRadio.org or WSFI Catholic Radio. And I just want to thank... Um, we did receive a donation online when Sheriff Curran was here. We received a donation of $200, and we're so grateful. It's been very quiet today, but as I said, maybe Father Michael can say a prayer for us that God will provide <laughs> to keep this great programming on the air. Joan, do you want to share with us what uh, what our donors Now, for example, she donated $200, so guess what she's going to get? Uh, she's going to get the CDs of our Healing the Whole Person conference. From Which was fabulous. I mean, we had Kyle <coughs> Clement, who spent 15 years training priests to be exorcists. And in a society that doesn't recognize the, what the impact of sin is on our souls and how we open up the window to our souls, you have to hear Kyle. Don't you think you have to hear Kyle Kyle talk? and Father Bob Sears, who spoke about family tree healing and the healing of depression and um, all kinds of disorders um, through uh, prayer and and reaching back uh, through generations to 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 which which impact our lives in in all kinds of illnesses and to in, in this year's conference now we have Kyle coming back Kyle coming for soul ties to heal us of our attachments to disorder to to wrong people and things for us that lead us off the track so Father Mike are you familiar with that term soul ties I am yeah definitely and uh, I think sometimes we forget that you know these the times that we're living in that there's a spiritual warfare going on all around us and that you know, our, our culture is so 
um, encouraging us to not really realize the choices that we're making. And, and so many people today, they, they find themselves in relationships that are not healthy. Um, they're not of God. And those bonding, especially when they're in a sexual relationship and they're not, you know, under the sacrament of holy matrimony, that it's actually um, hurting them. And you know, Father, I did not realize this, but I was, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus said, if you even look at another woman with lust, you commit adultery. Yeah, yeah. And so someone explained to me in this healing team that it's possible that just, you know, you look at all the images that are bombarding people mm-hmm. to really, they want that person, they, they're, they're encouraging lust, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, and is that a soul tie? Yeah. I mean, are you building that, are you committing adultery with that person, and is that creating a soul tie with this, this person? You know, the sin of lust is something that can overtake any human being, and so we have to be very careful of what we're introducing to allowing our soul to be exposed to. Um, we have to make sure that our children, what are they being exposed to? Our culture, the, the kids that are growing up today in the age of social media, it's absolutely crazy what they're being exposed to. And so we have to be very, very conscious that anything that we see on the internet, on the televisions, parents, you have a you have the spiritual authority to really um, to prepare your children to have custody of the eyes. You know, you have the spiritual authority to take away their internet, you know, to whatever you need to do to protect them from being exposed to all that stuff. So the one thing is to really making sure that um, the families out there are really focusing in on their own personal prayer life, their own personal holiness, making sure they're going to Mass, making sure that they're making themselves available to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, but then also praying together as a family. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to protect them the most from some of the difficulties that our society is throwing at us. So, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. And, you know, we have a show at noontime, uh, Dr. Ray, who... In the beginning, I was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get him. He, but I love him because so many times people are calling in, like you said about what's going on with their children, and mm-hmm. um, someone said, "Well, they, what it is is I think parents want their children to like them, sure, and they're afraid, like you use the word authority, right? But they're afraid to take that authority over their child, like the child, yeah. like who are you to take my phone?" <laughs> Hey, well, who are you to tell me what I... Let, me, let me just say this. Ahead, you know, for all the people that are listening out there, um, you know, the vocation to marriage, you know, what is that all about? It's, to, it's to, get, to die to yourself, to die to your wants, to die to your needs, die to your desires, to give everything you can to your spouse to help them get to heaven. And it should be mutual, the bride mm-hmm. and the groom, both that they're willing to die to themselves like Christ died for the church to help their spouse get to heaven. But when you bring in children, when God gives you the great gift of life and you have that, that family now, now you are also have the vocation of being a mother, the vocation of being a father. Now you have to die to your own wants and desires to get your children into heaven. And if you think by being their friend is going to help them get to heaven, you're sadly mistaken. You want to lead them to Christ. You want to make sure that you're instilling in them a desire to want to have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to pray together as a family. And just saying grace before meals doesn't count. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to pray together as a family. And most importantly, to pray together on Sundays going to Mass. Sometimes in, in today's age, we have a lot of families who are like, well, we have soccer practice. We have this going on. Our child's involved in all these other different events. We can't make it to church on Sunday. 
you've got to make it a priority. Because they're making a choice right there, aren't they? What, Absolutely. What's the message that they're sending, Father? Right. If you're saying that if you're saying that their sports are more important than God, you're already introducing your children to idolatry. Idolatry. You have to be careful. You've got to. You really have to focus in on what is your vocation. Your vocation is to get your kids into heaven. Father, what would be a simple way to pray as a family? I mean, it's so. I I don't know that a lot of families do that. And what what would you recommend to pray as a family to gather together and? I think I think the time old tradition of praying the rosary as a family is awesome. But you have to you have to tell your kids what is this about? You know, when you pray the rosary, you're meditating on the lives of Jesus and Mary. You're looking into the mystery, and it's not just a repetitious prayer. You have to place yourself in the mystery. So, for instance, when you start to pray the mystery of the joyful mystery of Jesus' nativity, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, place yourself in Bethlehem. Place yourself in that in that cave where Jesus was born. See Mary wrapping Jesus and placing Jesus in your arms as you're praying those Hail Marys. You have to place yourself in the mystery, in the in the uh, sorrowful mysteries. Place yourself at the foot of the cross when Jesus is being nailed to the cross and dying for, you know, shedding his own blood and forgiveness of our sins. Place yourself at the foot of the cross, consoling Jesus' own mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Say prayers to encourage Jesus to be faithful even to the bitter end. So you have to place yourself in the mystery. That's one way. Another way would be maybe to read um, just a short passage out of Scripture. And then as a family, you know, talk about what does that mean to you? Talk about your faith, you know. Moms and dads, you have to be the spiritual leaders of your family. And i got to tell you, when a father can, goes through a conversion, when the father turns towards our Lord, the whole family will follow him. Usually, if you go to any daily mass, the, the highest percentage of people are usually women, right? Mm-hmm. But when a man decides, I'm going to follow Christ, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to follow him, the whole family will follow him. So all the fathers, if you're listening out here right now, you have to be bold, you have to be courageous, and you have to stand up for Christ. Real men love Jesus. And you see so many men, Father, with the men's groups. We do Men of Christ radio are you familiar with Men of Christ yes. and Milwaukee? He is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome group. Just and I've watched it grow right. from like two thousand. I think it's two thousand and seven. Yep. Up until now. I think men sometimes feel like, well, I'm going to let the women take care of the prayers. I'll yes. just be the money maker, and I'm going to take care of the family that way. It's like, no. You. It's more important than making money is leading your family to Christ. And I think, you know. The, 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 the men's group up in Milwaukee and how successful that's been bringing men together yes. to say, hey, I don't have to be embarrassed to pray. I don't have to say I'm in love with Christ. You know, that's the most important thing for each and every human being on this on this earth. But to come together with a, a, a bunch of guys and to really pray together, that's a powerhouse. You know, last night we, we pre-recorded. We didn't air it yet, but we did it. We have a pastor roundtable that our listeners are familiar with. And then we now do a deacon's roundtable. So we did the first one last night. But what really touched me, there was the vicar of the deacons that came up and Greg Webster, who's the deacon from St. Raphael's. Uh, The deacon from Victory Lakes was here. And uh, the deacon from St. Mary of the Annunciation. So four guys were there. But what unfolded in this roundtable was this beautiful camaraderie that 
I haven't seen in a long time. It was like these deacons were, it was, it's so wonderful to see men together, like girls, we have sisters and we clown around and we have that sisterly friendship. But to see this beautiful spirituality-based friendship, Father, of these men that came together, I, I was thanking God all the way home that I had a chance to, there's something beautiful about these men banding together yeah. the way they would in sport, but they're doing it around Right. Our, our Lord and the Absolutely. Catholic faith. Absolutely. You know, it's beautiful. I, As you were talking, Father, I couldn't help but see a bumper sticker, Real Men Love Jesus. That's right. Oh, yeah. Real <laughs> Men Love Wouldn't Jesus. that be great? I've, it I've, I've seen that Have bumper, you seen I've it? I've seen that bumper sticker. Wow. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So yeah. you're listening to Joe McHugh and Father Mike Grizzick. We want to hear that phone ring, 224-206-8455, 224-206-8455, or go online, wsfiradio.org, and we're winding down. It's 1152, Father. Father Jim Nicky, our former spiritual director, is on deck, and the first recording we ever had at WSFI was The Angelus. So if you can hang back, he's going to lead us in The Angelus, and we'll revisit that beautiful time on December 8th that we recorded it. And December 9th was the first time we aired it, which that year actually was the Feast of the uh, Immaculate Conception. Go ahead, Father. So I'm not sure how much you can let me know if I have enough time to, to share some things with your listeners. You but sure do. You have six minutes. Can thank you. you do it? I can do it. So you can do it. I just wanted to let all your listeners know that, you know, in regards to Medjugorje, um, they are considered pri- private revelations. Um, Pope Benedict XVI had launched a commission to look into the authenticity of those apparitions. It lasted for three years. It was made of different cardinals and bishops and Mariologists. And when Pope Benedict stepped down and Pope Francis uh, took over, um, that commission, the, the results and everything, was handed to Pope Francis. Um, many people have seen some of the public comments about this, that, um, that the investigative committee um, have submitted everything to our Holy Father. And we wait with earnest to see what our Holy Father decides. You know, he has the ultimate say. Um, in the authenticity of the apparitions. And so we, we wait um, with great encouragement um, to see what the final pronouncement will be by the Catholic Church. But I have to say this. I came back to the Catholic Church after leaving it for many years and being lost in a very sinful world because of Medjugorje. I came back because of Our Lady in Medjugorje. And when I made my first pilgrimage there to Medjugorje, it's where I heard God calling me to become a priest. And I stand by that as a priest of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to say that just to let people know that Medjugorje is not an, an approved, an officially approved um, apparition site, but millions of people have gone there. There's been so many tremendous conversions, including my own, and many vocations have come from Medjugorje. There's over a thousand men who have become a priest because of their pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Father Joe Noonan, who used to be the vocation director for the Archdiocese of Chicago, he became a priest because of Medjugorje. I myself became a priest because of my experiences in Medjugorje as well. So we wait with great anticipation, but there is tremendous good fruit coming from um, the events that are unfolding in Medjugorje right now. A friend of my husband's uh, couple went to Medjugorje. She was a great believer from Scranton, and he, he was a doctor. He did not believe, but he went to support his wife, and it was Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, they were out um, going to church or coming from church, and they looked up in the sky, and there was Our Lady draped in gold with the infant. Wow. And uh, the, the husband 
could, saw it, and he became, a, of course, a believer. It was like he he ran around to all the taxi cabs and said, "Hey, look, 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 look in the sky! There's our lady! There's our lady!" <laughs> Everybody was going nuts. It was beautiful. She came to show us the baby Jesus in gold. There's, yes, it was beautiful. But again, on Catholic radio, we can't really say that that really happened. I know, so, I know. I'm sorry. You know, she knows. Like, no, I, and we have so many testimonials like that of people who have had wonderful experiences yes so our reticence is simply that we can't as a catholic radio station we can't say that Medjugorje is for real or that our lady really did appear there yep we're waiting waiting for our holy father to make a a final definitive uh, answer we sure are but we (laughs) see we see a lot of beautiful fruit around us don't we yeah yeah Yeah. and uh father is it don calloway Father Don Calloway is another uh, conversion story through Medjugorje. Yeah, He's hilarious. He was yeah. a wild man, huh? Yeah, he was wilder than me. <laughs> wilder than That's what we should do. But my hair was longer than his. He <laughs> got <laughs> thrown out of Japan. Yeah, I know. They, they he was in jail. He was in jail. <laughs> and he was a great story. But again, it was that same thing. He saw the book, I think. The yeah. same thing. He, know, he saw a book just like yeah. you did, and it sort of pulled him in. Yep. And then it became almost an obsession with him. He Absolutely. felt this, this drawing yeah. to Our Lady and yeah. to the Catholic faith. Yeah. And now I think he's the, vo- you mentioned Joe Noonan, I think he's the vocation director for the, the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so we see a lot of beautiful co- things coming out. And you certainly are such a blessing. Well, it's hap- I'm happy Thank to be back so with you guys. Much. And I want to encourage all your listeners, you know, you know, we as Catholics, we have to support the Catholic ministry that's out there. You know, uh, if you can donate anything, I mean, how much can you contribute to spreading the Catholic faith? You know, even if it's only a few dollars, you know, that's going to be looked upon by our Lord with with great delight that you're trying to spread the faith. So I want to encourage you, to, if you can, um, to definitely try to donate. And if you can, if financially you can't, then say a prayer for this ministry because yes. we want to continue to support it. We want to continue to reach out souls. We want to win souls for Christ, right? That's what it's all about. And we say WSFI, Winning Souls for the Immaculata. How do you, what do you think beautiful, of that? Beautiful, Winning Souls for the Immaculata. So uh, we're winding down, Father. Would you like to give us your priestly blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you pour your precious blood upon all of the listeners that are listening to the station right now. Lord, we ask that you touch their hearts with the gift of the Holy Spirit and set their hearts on fire with a greater love for you and our Blessed Mother. And through the intercession of Mary, Most Immaculate, we ask that you bless all of our listeners in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have in this hour. You've been listening to Father Mike Rizek with our own beloved Joan McHugh. We are signing off, but guess what? We have Father Jim Mickey on deck at 12 o'clock.